0: So Money, Episode 318, Derek and Carrie Olson. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. A pleasure to have you joining me again, almost finishing 2015 here. I want to talk about money and relationships today. You know, money is a taboo topic. We all know it. It's why so many of you come to listen to this show. It's why it sparks so much curiosity. And here we go where most conversations never do. We talk about our financial failures. We talk about... Why we love money and we talk about our habits. We talk about memories growing up as a kid when our parents used to argue about money and it made us feel uncomfortable. We talk about money in our marriage and how our spouse is our financial opposite. And so that brings us to today's episode. You know, when you're in a relationship, money is often the last thing you want to talk about. And naturally, couples struggle to communicate about. Dollars and cents as a result of this, and really, they have a hard time working on their financial issues. It's no surprise that money is often a leading cause for divorce in this country. But my guests today are dedicated to helping couples have stronger, healthier, better conversations on money and marriage. Derek and Carrie Olson are here today. They run the blog, DerekandCarrie.com. Their new book, One Bed, One Bank Account, was released earlier this year, and they've spent most of the year traveling the country, meeting with couples, sharing their advice. And I think the best part throughout all of this is that they have managed to strengthen their own finances as well. Carrie's home was at one point in foreclosure almost. They admit to almost going broke at one point in their marriage. And now they're soon to eliminate all of their debt. It's Happening. It's going to happen soon in 2016. Much to learn from Derek and Carrie, even if you're not in a relationship. Here we go. Here's Derek and Carrie Olson. Derek and Carrie Olson, welcome to So Money. I'm really excited to have you guys on. Both of you, too. My married couple, wrapping up 2015 with a bang. (laughs)
1: Yeah, thanks for having us.
0: Glad to be here. And it's been quite the year for the two of you after launching your new book. Uh, One bed, one bank account, which I absolutely love. You both and your child embarked on a nationwide tour. I think I want to start there. Tell me a little bit about why it was important to the three of you to get – I think you had like a Winnebago or a van and you just (laughs) – you really – Uh, went out there and met with people. Why did you want to do that? I mean, people don't really tour the nation anymore when they come out with books. Uh, Publishers think it's a waste of money. It was really important for you to do that. And then I also want to know what was sort of the most surprising element of that.
1: Sure. So where the idea came from was a couple of things came into place at the same time for us. The book was released and then Carrie actually quit her full-time job to become a voiceover actor. And so we found ourselves in a position where we could both work from anywhere. We were officially independent location as far as uh, work goes. So that that fell into line. And then we just got really inspired by another couple that we know that traveled full-time actually for three years And through uh, it's kind of it's a really long story, but basically through those things occurring, we looked at each other one day and we said, you know what, we can do this if we want to. We could actually travel full time, uh, do a little book tour. We could do meetups in each city along the way, and we could also work while we're out there on the road. So we sold and I'm not exaggerating here. We sold about 75 percent, maybe 80 percent of all of our belongings. We were renting a house. And so we just didn't renew the lease. It just happened to be up uh, last April first, so the timing was really good. And then we bought a travel trailer, and we hit the road, and we we lived on the road for five months.
0: Okay, how do you do that with a child and an, an, an <laughs> infant at that? Wasn't even she wasn't even walking or anything, right?
1: Yeah, she, she. We actually left. Was it the day after she turned one?
2: Yeah, the day after her first birthday, we took <laughs> off, and yeah, she wasn't walking yet.
1: No, she wasn't walking yet, and so we we left the day after she turned one, and she actually learned how to walk while we were out there on the road in Seattle.
0: Oh my gosh, seventy five percent of your stuff. Were you? at that point, you're not even really, you get over the sentiment of everything pretty quickly once (laughs) you go through that exercise. Yeah. One of my new year's resolutions is to read that book. uh, I think the art of tidying up because Mm -hmm. I need to do that. What, how, okay. So do you guys, are you like fast movers and shakers? You just kind of came up with the idea and then it was like you pressed the go button and it was no looking back or did you have some reservations about this?
1: Well, a little bit of both. So the process from when we first were like, okay, we're, we're pretty much going to do this till the time we left, it was a pretty long process. It actually took 10 months. Um, We could have gone quicker, but a lot of that, like I said, coincided with when our, our lease was up at the place at, at our house was 10 months away. And so we thought, you know, that's a pretty good amount of time where we can prepare, um, and get ready to do this. And it, it, so we filled that time pretty nicely getting rid of stuff. It it takes a lot of time. Uh, getting the travel trailer took a lot of time. And so it all really lined up pretty nicely to, to launching, but I guess sort of answer your question. Like I guess that Carrie and I are impulsive enough to to drop everything in our lives and do something like this. So at the same time, I guess you can say, yeah, we we can we are able enough to drop everything and go off on some crazy adventure like this, although although it did take a lot of planning.
0: Your website, Derek dot com is devoted to better conversations on marriage and money. And the two of you came to this. Project, this mission through your own personal struggles with money. I understand your home was almost foreclosed upon at one point. So, whether you liked it or not, the two of you had to have conversations around money. How did that then transition into your passion and your work?
2: Yeah, so it it was actually my house that I brought into the marriage uh, that was in danger of being foreclosed on, which is a whole different thing. If it had been both of us together uh, from the beginning, I think that. You know, the dynamic obviously would have been different, but it was me with all of this debt and with this house and Derek was squeaky clean, had no debt whatsoever. And uh, so we had to work through all of this. And this was very, very early on in our um, marriage, actually at the end of our engagement. And then the first year of marriage is when we were dealing with this and we ended up doing a short sale. And um, as you can imagine, it was really rocky at first and it was really hard to deal with. We both had a bunch of um, emotions and baggage and things we were working through But when we were able to get on the same side and realize that the common enemy was, was the debt and was this, you know, the, the process, the foreclosure, not each other. Um, it really did amazing things for our relationship. And we found ourselves having all kinds of really fruitful, really helpful conversations that I feel like. You know, in the first year of our marriage, we lived through 10 years worth of conversations that that really benefited us. And so um, that's where Derek and Carrie, you know, the website and book and everything came about because we wanted to share that with others since, you know, financial issues are one of the main causes of divorce and stress mm-hmm. and, you know, breakup, that kind of thing in relationships. And we wanted to bring this other side that it can also be a force for good and for to bring you closer together.
0: As you traveled the country, sharing your book with audiences and couples, what were some of the common themes that kept popping up as you were meeting people as far as their issues, the complexities around money, whether it was just something stemming from the conversation or even more the the implementation of of savings and budgeting and and all that? What did you find were some of the recurring
2: issues?
1: Right. That's a really good question. So Mostly when we uh would show up or we tell people what the book's all about, mostly people would go, Oh gosh, you know, who yeah. that's that's always tough. It's or, awkward. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really something that you're um
2: it's not fun. Right. you <laughs> not seen as fun.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's it, people are always kind of taken aback, like, oh gosh, like that's the last thing that I want to talk about. But but, you know, throughout the conversation, um it's always you, we always sort of end in the same place of like, yeah, I'd rather avoid that, but boy, is it important. Mm-hmm. It sure is important is what people would always, you know, that's how the conversation would always go. And so, you know, by the end of the conversation, um, people are thankful to have tools and whether it's our book or, or some somebody else's book or website, um, people really need tools so that they can use to to use to sort of navigate through the conversation of finances when it comes to a, a relationship or a marriage. So as unwanted as it might be, people are always grateful to have another tool that they can use to navigate that.
2: And we had, we had people from, from all ends of, you know, the spectrum from, we, we had some engaged people that came up and were super excited because they knew it was a topic they wanted to broach with their fiance, but didn't know how to. And so they would get really excited about the book. And then you'd have people that were, you know, 40 years into marriage saying, oh my goodness, I wish we would have had something like this when we were first getting married.
0: What uh, were some of the issues that the newly married couples were having? And and you mentioned that you experienced 10 years worth of conversations within the first year of your marriage. That's atypical. But should couples be really going through every nook and cranny in detail um, in the beginning? And how soon is too soon to maybe broach the topic?
2: Yeah. So for us, I think that it was absolutely helpful to do that. To have those conversations early on, and it it made everything else feel like a breeze. You know, any other issue that that would come up, yeah, politics, religion, right? Uh We've gone through. It's like it's okay. We we went through a short sale, so we're good. Um, But another thing that we love to say is that when you're talking about money, you're so quickly not talking about money. So it might seem like, well, you had ten years worth of financial conversations. That sounds awful, but when you're talking about finances, you quickly go to values and your background and why you feel this way. And well, I grew up like this and my family did this kind of thing. And and so through those conversations, we, w- we were able to learn a lot about each other that we wouldn't have learned otherwise, or that would have come about much later. And and so I think that that was actually really helpful for our relationship. Um, so as far as how soon is too soon, we kind of draw the line um, with engagement and then marriage. So pre-engagement, um, be talking about money—that's fine. But I don't think you really have to go into specifics. So you can do things like watch each other, um, you know, see how each other spends money, and feel free to ask questions and, and those kinds of things. But um, you know, until the you, it's been um, said that you are committed and that it's going somewhere, um, and you know, for a lot of people, that's engagement or at least around that area. Uh, I don't think you really need to go into specifics. And then uh, once engagement comes, I think you can get the books out and I think you can share all and nothing is off limits, put it all out on the table and you can even start working a budget together uh, during engagement.
0: The one bank account part of your book, the one bed, one bank account, I think in theory, I really love it. I think it's really romantic, but <laughs> realistically, uh, for especially for couples who are getting married later in life, who have assets and they have uh, – all these different accounts, and maybe it's a second marriage, and uh, they, you know, they're very protective about certain accounts. How do you reconcile that? It, it, does it does it have to be one bank account? Because I'll tell you, in our relationship, we do have one bank account, but we have others too that are independent. And for us, the most important thing is transparency. There's no uh, situation where Tim can't access my account and vice versa at least see what's in there and how the transactions have been doing but to pour all of our money into one account it just seems oversimplistic to the point where actually it could backfire in a way for us i like having financial independence
2: and having my own siloed account Mm -hmm. Well, and I love that you said that the most important thing to you and Tim is transparency, because that's exactly um, me and Derek's philosophy as well. And that's the main reason behind the one bank account for us. That's what works best. And that's what facilitates transparency best for us. And so that's what we recommend um, because it is, you know, people are weird with money and, and not in a, uh, not in a bad way. I think it's normal. We come, you know, before we're married, we have our own things and then all of a sudden we get married and, and we're expected to, to merge it together and that's hard to do. Um, so for us, just putting it all in one bank account facilitates that really well. Now, if you can keep the transparency and, you know, meet those those types of relational goals with separate accounts... Then great. Um, I think that for a lot of people, it's 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 harder to do that. Um, and of course, putting all the the money into one account brings up other issues. Uh, for us, we find it to be worth it, and we, you know, we go through some of those uh, some of those things in the book. Um, but then also about the being oversimplistic. If it's a second marriage, and if it's you know a bunch of if you have a lot of assets and, and things like that, then um, we do. We don't necessarily say it's a one size fits all thing, and everyone needs to have one bank account. Um, again, for us, it just facilitates um, trans- transparency better. Um, but I think that as long as you can meet those relational goals and have that transparency, then you can, um, you know, kind of have your own method.
0: And I think it's a great metaphor. In, in any case, whether you do the one bank account or six bank accounts, the idea that you have sort of this one financial system for the both of you, it, it, it recognizes, it emphasizes that you really need to be in sync and communicating and all that good stuff when it comes to money and marriage. So right. that I think I think it, at least <laughs> metaphorically I I really uh, I, res- I I think it's fantastic. Let's talk about some of your personal financial philosophies and maybe some failures you've experienced along the <laughs> way as I ask all my guests I'm not just targeting you but I think <laughs> we could find um some interesting nuggets throughout the way just by starting with this really simple question that always Elicits very different answers, which is what is your financial philosophy? As a couple, what is your money mantra?
1: Oh my gosh, how would you answer that?
2: Well, we kind of just Good talked question. about it today, didn't we? I yeah. We, we laid out.
1: We, I mean, just today, we uh, sort of did our one page, um, really, it was kind of like a life plan for 2016, for next year. We like to, we like to take a big picture view of, And yeah, and I guess that this will lend to a- answer your question. So what what we did today is perfect. We take a really big picture view, and we actually write out the entire year on one piece of paper, and it's not even small print. It's like really big print, you know, um, what we what our goals are for the entire year. So what we do is we start we start there with the big picture, and then we work our way backwards because. Um, and I think it's just different because Carrie and I, and I'm sure a lot of your other guests, we're both entrepreneurs. So we are in fully 100% in charge of our own income. And that makes things a lot different from back in the day when we we both used to have traditional nine to five jobs. And it's, a, and it's a drastically different um, whenever you have a paycheck coming in each week. So we start with the big picture. We work our way backwards and we even work it all the way down to um, how much we need to earn per day in order to meet our yearly goal. And that really, really, I mean, I don't know what we would do if we didn't do that, ha- um, have a plan that's that detailed on both the big picture and the day-to-day how many dollars do we need to bring in. And so then from there, um, we also have our long-term, worked, worked in that plan as well. We have long-term goals such as um, housing, retirement, saving, giving. Even since we have a one-year-old, we, we haven't started saving for college yet, but that's on our list to start doing in 2016 is to start saving for college. So that's just kind of the, the walkthrough, the, the short version on how we, I guess that would kind of be a philosophy, although it's a little bit more hands-on than maybe just philosophical. So that, that's kind of how we do it year by year.
0: Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of anyone say they have figured out how much they have to earn every day
1: yeah. Yeah, well that that's what we do. Um it, it's just incredibly helpful for us. We we have a specific dollar amount on average per day. So if we make more one week uh then we're ahead and so we can scale back. It it for us it's it's incredibly helpful.
2: We like numbers. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Carrie, you
0: you have another revenue stream which is voice over acting. Was that just because you had the extra time and you have the passion, and the the jobs were there, or it was it had another purpose, which was to be able to increase the cash flow because expenses were getting high?
2: Yeah, it it was actually meant to... uh, I started pursuing voice acting right after I had my daughter about three months after. And the point was I wanted something that I could do from home. And I wanted something that I could be more flexible. Um, So that's where voice acting came in. Derek and I have been podcasting for years. And so um, it seemed like a natural transition. That plus I was working in e-learning before and had narrated some online courses. So I had that experience. And um, when I decided to pursue voiceover started getting some training and um started booking some jobs right away. So I didn't know how quickly I would be able to replace my day job income, but it ended up being just a matter of months. So um that it it turned out to be just a pleasant surprise. Um, at first, it was extra income. and um, it would you know, we were thinking it would be nice if it could someday replace my day job income so that I could do that full time and be spend more time with Derek and Amalie. Um, and it just happened to happen sooner than we thought. So it's like you never left your day job at exactly. least from a financial standpoint. From, That's remarkable. It's, it yeah. was pretty great. Yeah. It was a side hustle for about four months. And then after that, um, did it full time. So anything we might have heard you on besides your <laughs> podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yes, actually. Um, so I've, I've had a few uh, national radio and television spots. Um, I've been the voice of RAI, the outdoor fitness Yes. Yeah. So I did their campaign. I've done that for over a year, uh, their national radio campaigns, and they're also on Spotify and um, Pandora. And then I ha- recently did a national radio or television spot for the University of Dr- George Washington University <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> that aired uh, during one of their national games. How cool. How hard is it to get voiceover acting work? Oh, goodness. It, it depends. <laughs> um Yeah. It's, it's, it's like acting, you know, you, uh, you audition for things and you either get it or you don't. Now that's, that's one side of it. There's also marketing. So if you are a brilliant marketer, then you can get more work than maybe a more talented voice actor who isn't doing marketing. So it's really like any other business. You have to have a business strategy, business plan. And if you work hard at it, you can absolutely make a living doing it.
0: And do you need an agent?
2: You don't need one. It's, it's nice to have, especially if you want bigger gigs. So like the bigger campaigns and things usually come through agents. And I have a couple of those around the country. Um, but you can definitely just hustle and, you know, call up your local car dealership and, you know, say, listen to my demo. Do you have a need? So um, yeah, it, it spans the a broad spectrum.
0: I love that. I love it so much because especially for a working parent, you can do it from anywhere. You can do it overnight. (laughs) Absolutely. It's it's, uh, very accommodating. All right. Let's talk about childhood a little bit. Have you both ever talked about how money was introduced to the the two of you as children? Carrie, I'd like to start with you. What was your
2: foray (laughs) into the financial world as a kid? Oh, you're gonna love this. Um, we either didn't talk about money at all, or we would only talk about it when we needed it, or if we were in debt. And really, I've told Derek just recently. I didn't know how a credit card worked um, when I was 18, and I got my first one. Had no idea. My parents never talked to me about it. Um, I have memories of you know us borrowing money from people, and um, so basically clueless. And which is so. Um, I don't know, ironic, the fact that I bought a house when I was 21 and had no idea what I was doing. And that, that will uh, tell you why we had the foreclosure issue as we were going into our marriage. But, um, the money conversation was very non-existent in my household growing up. Derek, you're
1: on the yeah. house <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So, yeah, I mean, our, our upbringing was really opposite, uh, as far as financially, um, so it's so like Carrie mentioned, like they, they would even get uh, in, in her family utility cutoff notices and stuff like that. And in my family, something like that was just absolutely unheard of. And in and, and my family, it was just a given that we were all all four of us kids in my family were going to go to college. And it was a given that my dad was going to pay for all of it. Um, and so I graduated college debt free and we didn't have like really specific um, conversations about money and my family, but it was more of a just learning through uh, observing. It was kind of like, this is the path that our family takes. And and, and so it was kind of a, you know, an observational thing rather than a, than a spoken thing directly.
0: So you almost felt this pressure, unspoken pressure to just do the right thing.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, I guess Always. you could say that. It wasn't, it wasn't too much pressure, but, but just sort of like a, expectation. Uh, yeah, yeah, that'd be more, that'd be more accurate. Yeah.
0: And did it ever come up your childhoods to one another? And do you talk about that in the book? How many oh, yeah. couples should go down memory lane and talk about their, So, because it gives so much context,
1: right? Exactly. Oh yeah. I mean, we, we touch on that in the book and and on our podcast and everything. It's huge because that's really all you've got when, when let's say that you, you meet the the person that you're going to marry up until that point, all you have is your history. And most of that, I, I mean, what, what we've seen is, is from your family. So it, it depends on what your family background was financially. Um, and almost always it's different. It's going to be a little bit different than your spouse's and sometimes drastically different. I was going to say, usually
0: it's far different. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And so you, you bring all of those expectations in with you and, and you know, it's, it's kind of funny. Like we joke about um, how, Different people, whenever you get married, can do really small things differently. Like, for example, wash the dishes. So, some people really wash them before they put them in the dishwasher. And some people put them in there super dirty. And it's, it's, you know, it's probably something that you learned in your family. Well, you can take something that simple can cause issues within a marriage and then take something as as drastic and as far reaching as finances. And all of a sudden, you've really got something to talk about, and mm-hmm. something, something to... um you know, sort of come together to and work yeah, something to work through.
0: Has there ever been a financial failure in your marriage? <laughs> Besides, yeah. and I don't think it's a, it's a failure about the home almost being foreclosed upon. I mean, it in some ways, depending on obviously also when that happened, it could have been like 80% of the country was going through a housing. <laughs> That's true. Crisis. Yeah. <laughs> it um, was <laughs> not to excuse it, but it, I mean like, gosh, it happens to the best of us. But beyond that, what was there? Perhaps a, a tougher time that the two of you experienced
2: that you were both participants in. Well, we have, as Derek mentioned, um, as entrepreneurs, we have definitely almost run out of money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow! <No>. Okay, <laughs> that's not funny.
1: No, <laughs> no I don't
2: know why we're not. laughing. I don't either. Um, <laughs> it's it's not funny at all. Um, but yeah, we've definitely had some some moments where um, we're we're looking at our accounts, we're looking at our our you know cash inflow, and um, it's not looking good. And it's the kind of thing where if we don't turn things around, you know, we have to start talking worst case scenarios. What could happen? We could have to go back home and move in, move in with one of our parents. Um, you know, so that that's a pretty big financial failure, I'd say, yeah. or at least almost failure. We've, we've uh, avoided it so far. Yeah, we, we've
1: avoided it every time, <laughs> but, but let me, let me touch on that. Cause, cause like I said, we're both entrepreneurs now. Um, and so man, relying on your own business for all of your income is an, is, is sometimes it feels insane, but then sometimes it feels awesome. So we've had ups and downs, but, but for example, just, I think it was just last month, right? We had the biggest month we've ever had. We made the most money we've ever made in one month, just last month. How? Th-
0: how did you, I'm on your website. You have your network <laughs> on your website, which is so cool. But you left December, November, and October blank.
1: Yeah. We're we're a little bit behind on that, but we're going to get back on it. But do you, do you want to explain how?
2: Sure. You made that? Yeah. So we've, um, selling online courses has been huge. My, my voiceover business really picked up. So I've gotten some new clients and that's been huge. But then I also decided to start, um, teaching how to get started in voiceover because, um, my story was so unique and that I was able to go full-time in such a short amount of time. And the voiceover world is very, um, it's very technological right now. Whereas, you know, even 10, 15, 20 years ago, it was, it was a lot like you were um, just a regular actor and you would go into a studio. You'd have to live in either LA or New York and get auditions. And now it's, it's such, you know, like you mentioned, something you can do from home, something that's viable for, you know, stay at home parents and people who have the time and energy to invest in the business. And so I basically put together a course on how, how I did it. And, and that was a huge part of our income as well.
0: Where's the course? I want to send this to friends (laughs) and maybe even watch it myself.
2: Yeah. So my my website is keriolsonvo.com. And you can't find it on there right now. But um, after the new year, I'll set up another uh, session of it that's going to be starting.
0: OK. keriolsonvo.com. I love that you guys put – do you find that it's a little – Awkward that you put your income online. to parents and family are, are they checking it out? And does it is Thanksgiving especially awkward now because yeah. you do this?
1: No, we haven't had any negative um, reactions. I, I don't even know if our friends and family look at it.
2: They do. They, oh, okay, they do.
1: <laughs> but we 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 haven't had any negative reactions, and in fact, we've had more positive ones of people just thanking us for the transparency. We get emails pretty often uh, from people saying thank you for posting your budget and all that kind of stuff it gives it it gives a realistic expectation of uh, because because most people don't talk about it's something that people mostly keep very secret so if everyone is keeping how they handle their money secret how is anybody supposed to learn that's that's our big thing of why we're so transparent Um, and so yeah we've had a lot of people thank us for it.
2: Yeah, I think it was more weird for us putting it out there. Yeah. The day that we hit post on that first one, I thought I was like waiting for the sky to fall down or something. Um, <laughs> but you know nothing happened. It was fine and we know that people looked at it. Um, I think it could get awkward at Thanksgiving. I think if my family knew about it, things would get <laughs> awkward. Um, Derek's family is much more like even if they were thinking about it, they wouldn't bring it up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, it doesn't seem to get awkward. Um, my family probably would, though.
1: Yeah. So it's a
2: good How thing. Do you I think, think it's know. helping people, though. Too.
0: I, I'm asking because I, I think it. I'm sure it does. I would love an like an example of maybe someone who's written in or met you and said, "Hey, I, you know this this fact that you do this has helped me in this way." Other than just being nosy and curious, and it's interesting to know.
1: Yeah yeah so I, I I mean the 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 basic email that we get I can't think of a specific one but the basic email we get is I like the way like like even though we're a couple of months behind on our website um we list every single line item so it's not just income and expenses and then how much is left over it's like it's like a the the whole budget, how much we spent on food, on gas, on insurance, everything. And I think that's the thing that people like most is it sort of gives people a starting point. And not that they should copy exactly what we do, but practically speaking, it gives people a starting point to see what somebody else is doing. And then we also – the other sort of uh, common email we get is, is just a – um, less not on the hands-on practical, but just on the side of like, oh, I don't feel like I'm so alone, um, when I'm doing my budget and it's not going so well or whatever, cause we're not perfect. And so hopefully what you'll, what you'll notice from when we post our budget is we always post what happened, good, what went good that month, what we're struggling with that month. And then what the future holds. That's kind of how I arrange those blog posts. And so the part where we're struggling, we try and be as honest and transparent as we possibly can be. And when somebody else sees that, they think, oh, I'm not alone. And that right there is really valuable.
0: And it's easy for bookkeeping for your taxes.
1: Yeah. Even, even though our taxes are a huge mess every year, <laughs> it, it makes it a little bit easier. But just because of the way we are multiple streams of income that we have, our taxes are just an, an enormous mess.
0: <laughs> what is your greatest financial achievement as a couple to date? Oh, wow. Your so money moment.
1: I I, I think mm-hmm. – you want to answer that? Well. Uh-huh.
2: I'm not sure what, what, what,
1: what, no, is you, it go to first. You? you go first. <laughs> well,
2: I don't know. This doesn't really count because, um, <laughs> cause it hasn't happened yet. So I, <laughs> <laughs> um, but we are on track to, I hope this, I, I can, uh, give you a new one if if this, if you'd rather one that's actually happened, but we're on track <laughs> to pay off all of our debt, um, this year in 2016. So, um, that will be, that'll be yeah. a huge thing for us because it's been on our, uh, radar for a long time. It's, you know, we've been slowly, uh, chipping away at it, but um, that'll be amazing. That'll be
1: huge because we haven't been debt free since we've been married. Wow. So, and what is yeah. the
2: debt? Is it uh, what kind of debt are we talking about? Oh,
1: it's almost all student loans. Oh, Okay, ninety like yeah, percent. How yeah. much
0: yeah. in student loans have you paid down, or
2: will have paid down?
1: It was it s- seventeen thousand when we first. Right. That sounds right. Yeah, it was seventeen thousand, and now it's down to I think total it's down to just. Right around six, and then depending on how things go during the first quarter of 2016, we're planning on just writing one check and making it all go away at one all at once.
0: That's awesome! Good for you guys. I'm I'm actually doing a whole week on college and debt and loan and loans and affording college in January. So. Um, that's very needed. Timely. All right. Let's talk about habits. What's something that you do as a couple that's habitual that helps you with your financial fitness? It doesn't have to be every day, but it's something that you do consciously.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the answer, I mean, the answer for us is a monthly budget, even though I know we're three months behind on posting it. And, and there's actually a reason for that. And, and I'll be, this is an example of us being transparent. We believe in doing a monthly budget absolutely every single month. And we were really diligent on doing that. The, the, I think the first two years of our marriage, we didn't, we didn't miss one month. Now we have missed a a few months since then. Uh, just life gets busy and all that. And then what's happened recently is we had a baby. (laughs) And so uh, she's a year and a half and that makes, I mean, obviously, you know, extra time to do a budget. It's like, are you kidding me? You know, I I need to go to bed. Um, And then the other thing that's happened is, like I said, like I've said a couple of times, we've both uh, went full-time entrepreneur within the past year and a half. And so those two things have made it really difficult for us to do a monthly budget every single month because, and it's also made the way that we budget drastically different since our income is very irregular. I mean, it'll like double one month and then it'll get cut in half the next month and then it'll triple and then get cut half and cut in half again. And so we found that really challenging to do to to consistently do a monthly budget, because it it feels like, even though I would disagree with what I'm about to say, it feels like it's less helpful to do a monthly budget whenever your income is irregular. So it it kind of sounds like I'm contradicting myself because I'm saying on one side, a monthly budget is the most important habitual thing that you could do every month. And I still believe that. But yet at the same time, we're not the best <laughs> at, at, at sticking to it.
0: How do you save? I don't see on um, the budget or rather the um, the assets, debt, net worth graph how you're accounting for a rainy day savings account. Um, is it just you're in this mode of not spending a lot because income is so fluctuating that yeah. you never really want to overdo it in any category and as you are doing that, you're secretly or consciously saving in a bucket somewhere else.
1: Right. So so the answer to that is actually, right now, what we're doing is paying off debt. So we're, so we're sort of like in payoff debt mode rather than saving mode. And once that's, it's sort of like once, at least the way I see it going forward, once we pay off that debt, it's sort of like a, a switch gets flipped. And we can then at that point in time, all the money that was going towards paying off debt mm. will at that point in time go towards saving.
0: Right. I love that. Pretend the S- debt's still there. Exactly. But just you put it. it in savings.
1: Absolutely. So that that's kind of what we're, the mode that we're in right now. Um, and also I was going to say one more thing with that. Oh yeah. So, so I guess for me, at least it doesn't feel as, as much of uh, when, whenever you have debt, at least th- this is just for me, for us, it doesn't feel like progress to save a whole lot of money until that debt is gone, and then at that point. So we have like an emergency fund, of course, a, a buffer, but then anything above and beyond that goes to debt rather than savings until that debt is gone.
0: Makes sense. Okay, let's do some so money fill in the blanks, and I'm I'm going to just say whoever has a, a great idea first, just shout it out. Doesn't yeah. and you can take turns, but uh, this is just meant to be a whole lot of fun. And cool. Here we go. If I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say a hundred million bucks, the first thing I would do is? Pay off debt. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what's something fun you would do?
1: Oh, um, fun. I I would say go on vacation.
0: Yeah. Where would you go?
1: I would go somewhere out of the country because I've never been outside the United States. So I would love to go to Europe or South Africa or China or anywhere outside the United States.
0: All right. When I spend my money, the one thing that I spend on that makes my life easier or better, I see you have Netflix in your budget, you've got you know, some other line items, but what's one line item that makes your life easier or better or both? The internet. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of need it. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a non-negotiable. My biggest splurge, I know you guys are in paying off debt mode, but if there is something that you consider a splurge, what is it?
1: Well, my biggest splurge has always been going to concerts. So, anytime, no matter what, you know, if we're like, "Oh, we need to save money, save money, pay off debt," but then a a band that I like comes to town, I almost always almost well, I always <laughs> are, right? yeah. she's
2: like <laughs> seriously. How about yeah. you, Carrie? The first thing that came to mind was coffee. Mm, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay.
0: When I donate. I like to give to blank because.
2: We like to give to, there's a charity that our our church does. It's called affordable Christmas. And we give to that every year and, and usually serve there too. Um, because it's awesome. It's a, we put on a little Christmas, well, it's a big Christmas store for, um, families can come and buy gifts there, but they're not old crappy used gifts. They're all brand new. They're all, um, you know, Expensive, really, and the most that they can spend on a gift is ten dollars. So it's really cool because they get to get brand new gifts for their families. But it's also empowering because they're actually spending money. It's not a you know giveaway type thing, and uh, it's a beautiful thing. I love that. How do you two celebrate the holidays?
1: I mean, usually with family. So we kind of split Thanksgiving. We'll go. We'll usually go to Carrie's side of the family, and then for Christmas we come to my side of the family. So we always travel for for the holidays
0: must be getting – I hope we have a good gas rewards card or something. (laughs) You've been doing a lot of driving this year. We have, yeah. Uh, When I was growing up, the one thing I wish I had learned about money is? Anything. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. I think (laughs) we covered that already. Yes. And last but not least, where Derek and Carrie Olson were so money because –
1: we're so money because we think about it all the time, yeah. and it's like
2: we're rocking it.
1: It's always like at the top of our list, and it kind of sort of determines. It sort of uh, not determines, but it informs mm-hmm. so much of what else, so much of the other parts of life um, that we have. So money's important, and that's why we try to educate and put the focus there.
2: And I think too, like we've turned it into a positive because you know, I think a lot of couples can get really stressed out when they talk about money and we get really excited when we talk about it because it's not so much a source of stress, it's a source of um, <clears throat> possibilities and we're talking about what our goals and what we're gonna do this year and next year and, and years down the line.
0: Your free ebook is called Four and a Half Conversation Starters. And that's I encourage everybody to go to Derek dot com, subscribe to their website, get the book too. That's the book is one bed, one bank account. But uh, four and a half conversation starters. What's the half? Can you give us a little tease?
1: You'll just have to download the ebook oh, to find out what okay. the half is. All right, we'll do
0: that. I will. I will do that, and I will encourage others too as well. Derek and Carrie, thank you so much. Hope the two of you have a fantastic holiday and fabulous twenty sixteen. Thanks, partner. Thank you so much. That's a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Derek and Carrie, their website is. Derek and Carrie.com. Their book is called One Bed, One Bank Account, and their podcast is Better Conversations on Marriage and Money. If you'd like to download the audio, check out the transcript, or leave a comment for this episode, head over to somoneypodcast.com, and there you can also send me your questions, your comments, your thoughts about the show. Click on Ask Farnoosh, and that's how we can connect for the Friday episodes of Ask Farnoosh. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Hope your day is so money.